This is the last in the uh, series of our look uh, in the Acts and uh, we hope that you have found uh, this series useful. Um, as, a, as a new church it's good to get, uh, we've said this many many times, but it's good to get our foundations right. It's good to get our DNA right, right from the start and we hope that the time that we have spent in Acts has uh, delivered that. I would like to start this morning by putting the passage of scripture from Acts 12 into some context. A single man born of Jewish parents, God made man, Jesus. An individual who preached and talked different messages at, uh, during his life. He talked about God's standards. He talked about the fact that we had fallen short of God's standards. And the law of the time just simply re-emphasised this fact. But he came and he said, now I am the only way to God. Through his actions and through his teachings, this had an effect on many people, particularly the disciples. But unfortunately, the Jewish leaders of the time and the, the Romans took, uh, took displeasure to what he was saying. And they set about to get rid of this movement that was taking place. And this was done through the actions of both the rulers of the time and the ruling council. And they had our Saviour, the Lord Jesus, executed. And thinking that that was the end of this movement, they sat back and thought, it is done. But was it done? No, it wasn't. Our Jesus was resurrected and instead of a movement being quelled, that movement has grown and grown. Fast forward to the Acts and if there was a sentence which best describes the, what I feel is the first 12 chapters of Acts, I would say that the life of the early church was a bit like a roller coaster. Great, great jubilant highs, but then very significant lows. Times of great celebration as the apostles took the message of Jesus both to Jew and to Gentile. But significant lows when believers were imprisoned, when believers were persecuted. Times of great celebration when thousands were added to their number daily. But times of significant lows when believers were imprisoned, persecuted and worse. But through these great waves of highs and lows, the message has remained the same. That saving grace that comes from our God for his creation. 
and the great sacrifice that was paid. Running through those highs and those lows, we have Jesus. So as we turn to Acts 12, if you have a Bible with you, if you have your mobile, if you have your Kindle, your iPad, in these days of modern technology, turn if you will, or flick on, or hit the app, or whatever it is. Turn if you will to Acts 12, and uh, we'll read from verse 1. And it's entitled, Peter's Miraculous Escape from Prison. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, had him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison. He had no idea that the... Uh, that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and then came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without doubt that the Lord sent his angel to re and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many, many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and the servant girl Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognised Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. But when she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be an angel. But P Peter kept on knocking and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning there was a great commotion among the soldiers. What could have happened to Peter, they asked, after Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him. He cross-examined the guards 
and then ordered that they be executed. Not a fitting end to a bunch of soldiers. I'm sure that won't happen to you, Luke. <laughs> there are three themes that I hope uh, that you will listen out for as I take you through this passage this morning. And the first is, nothing is impossible for God. So that was a very timely, a very timely word. So we come to our passage this morning, and in this account here in Acts, we have King Herod, a position that's been given to him by the Romans, trying to do, be all things to all men. And in this case, we have him sucking up to the Jewish leaders of the day, persecuting the church, having James, the brother of John, one of Jesus' early disciples, being killed by the sword. Which is somewhat poignant when you consider the words in Mark 10, um, in verse 36, which is an account of a conversation between James and John with Jesus. And we read this. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptised with the baptism that I'm baptised with? We can, they answered. Jesus said, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptised with the baptism that I was baptised with. And truly, James did share in that same cup, that great cup of sacrifice. But let's come back to our passage. Peter is arrested by Herod at a key moment, and he is thrown into prison again to the delight of the Jewish leaders. And just as a little footnote, remember that this is at the time of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So there wouldn't have just been a few Jews knocking around the place. There would have been hundreds of Jews around. And they would have delighted to see Peter, this leader of this movement, being put into prison. There they are, thinking that they have finally quelled this early church, these Jesus people. We move on. Herod has Peter guarded by a number of soldiers, 16 to be exact, two of which were chained to Peter at all times. So I believe it's fair to say that Peter was not really going to go anywhere chained to two soldiers. But it's also fair to say that he was probably looking at his last days. I'm sure that it was in the heart of Herod that putting him out to public trial that he would probably be executed. We move on. The night before the trial of Peter, we read that an angel of the Lord appears to him and after a poke in the ribs, he tells Peter to get up. And at that point, Peter's chains fall off his wrist. He is instructed to get dressed 
and then they start their move, they start their escape. But this is no skulking in the shadows. With his cloak wrapped around him, they passed the first and second guard. They come up to a set of iron gates and they open. Little wonder Peter thought that he was dreaming. They're out in the city. They're walking along the street. Peter is free. And in that moment, the angel is gone. There is no obstacle. There is no situation too difficult that God cannot deliver us from. We need to remember that. So often we can feel that some of life's events are just too great to overcome. But with God's help and with God's guidance, we have the assurance from Scripture that he will always get us through. So we have Peter alone in the streets, slowly coming to his senses and then realises that he's got to get a bit of a G on now, otherwise he's going to have the remainder of the guards coming after him. Now, if this were me, I would probably be looking for the fastest camel or the fastest donkey to get me out of Jerusalem. But not Peter. Peter decides to go to Mary's house, the mother of John. John, a fellow believer, a good friend, a follower of Jesus, someone who most likely was fairly high up Herod's most wanted list. But as a believer, who along with many others, they were devoting themselves to prayer and to calling on God to spare Peter. Little wonder that when Peter comes knocking, people can't believe their eyes when he finally walks in on their prayer meeting. So for one moment, put yourselves into the shoes of those believers. There they are. The numbers are growing on the one hand, but at the same time, they are also seeing their numbers being chipped away by the authorities. They have seen people like Stephen. They have recently seen James being put to death. Many of their fellow believers are being put into jail, into prison. Their key leader, a key apostle, Peter, is put into prison and most likely going to be killed. And there you are on your knees pleading to God for the release of Peter. And sometime later, in walks Peter. Unbelievable. But there it is. There is Peter in your mists. How did this take place? As a, pe as a people of faith, shouldn't we expect the impossible? For again, picking up, there is nothing impossible for our God. There is nothing impossible for our God. 
So there you have it. Peter in prison, the believers come together to pray and the impossible happens. Peter is set free. The prisoner is set free. And it's those words that I would like to pick up on my second theme, and that is setting the prisoner free, setting the prisoner free. A great hymn that means a lot to me is And Can It Be? A hymn that was played at my baptism. And as I was preparing for this morning, it was a hymn that kept coming back to my mind time and time again. Some words of that hymn. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eyes diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. What great words. Um, I don't know what picture that conjures up in your mind, but for me, that conjures up a picture of rescue. There you are, languishing. There I am, languishing in my prison, in your prison of sin. Our rejection of God. But then he intervenes in our life. How many of us here this morning can echo those words of Wesley? Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. But praise God, my chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. But is that words that can be echoed by everyone here this morning? Are there some here this morning who feel, who just feel imprisoned? That they feel that life is collapsing? They feel that life is simply too difficult? The image of chains seem to typify where you are at the moment. I want to say to you this morning, God wants to release you from those chains. God wants you to go from this place this morning with your hearts set free. God wants you to know release. Listen to some words from David, from Psalm 18. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and my horn of salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise. I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, the cords of the grave curled around me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called to the Lord, I cried to God for help. 
And then further on in that passage we read, He reached down from on high, he took hold of me, he drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in my day of distress, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place and he rescued me because he delighted in me. God wants to break those chains. If you think this morning that you are beyond rescuing, then think again. If you think God could never forgive you, think again. God wants you to know release. I want to take one further image from this. Maybe there is someone you know who is far from God, who just doesn't give God a second thought. And as one who knows that great freedom that God brings, you so much want that family member, that friend, that work colleague, your son, your daughter, your father, your mother, your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister, to know something of that freedom. Nothing is impossible for God. You may consider the situation hopeless, but God doesn't. God hears our prayers and in his amazing timing, he reaches down from on high, he takes hold of that friend, he takes hold of that family member, he takes hold of that work colleague, he takes hold of that most unlikely of individuals and he draws them out of the deep water. Nothing is impossible for our God. And he wants to set the prisoners free. Romans 10 verse 9. If we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved, you will be saved. That is God's greatest promise to you. That is God's greatest promise to me. If you proclaim the name of Jesus, if you confess that you have fallen short of God's glory and call upon the name of Jesus, you will be saved. That is a promise. We are a people of faith. Shouldn't we expect the impossible? If you are thinking up, if you are thinking of giving up praying for that family member, that friend, don't. Expect the impossible. If you've just about given up on that son, that daughter, that sister, that brother, that mum, that dad, don't. Expect the impossible. 
Nothing is impossible for our God. He wants to set the prisoner free. And as we move in those great move on in that great Wesleyan hymn, it ends by saying this: "No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in Him is mine. Alive in Him, my living head." And clothed in righteousness divine, bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. And my third and final theme is live as one set free. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine, bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the, claim the crown through Christ my own. It doesn't need me to say that you have been bought at a price. I have been bought at a price. Christ died for you. Christ died for me to set me free. So live in that freedom. Galatians 5 verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For you have been called to live in freedom. Understand that you were once lost in sin, imprisoned by sin, chained by sin, but you have been set free. That dungeon of sin has flamed into light. Jesus has broken into your life. Your chains have been broken. Your heart has been set free. Now rise and go and tell others of that great freedom. That dungeon of sin has flamed into light. Your chains have been broken and your heart has been set free. Don't just leave it there. Go and tell others of this great freedom, this great love that Jesus has for everyone through Christ. Amen.